I would like to bring greetings, uh, firstly, uh, from uh, Russian and Ukrainian Assemblies of God. And uh, I would like to uh, thank Pastor Jerry and Sharon for uh, having us. Uh, Pastor Jerry and uh, Soul Sanctuary have partnered with Russian and Ukrainian Assemblies of God uh, throughout the years in uh, many different projects, uh, which I will mention later. Um, actually, through them we, came, uh, we have come to know Paul Winter in the Living Word Temple Church uh, that had been hosting us here during our stay in Winnipeg. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Pastor Jerry and the Michalski family, for for your heart for Russia and Ukraine, and um, thank you for your friendship. Uh, my name is Roman, and uh, Ramon, Ro Roman, whatever works. Uh, I'm one of the uh, pastors in Moscow Central Assembly, and um, here I have with me my wife Lisa. Uh, she's Ukrainian, but she grew up in Portland, Oregon, uh, where our little son is uh, spending his time with grandpa and grandma. So he's enjoying a weekend without his parents. Uh, we came to Winnipeg to participate in a fundraiser for the work uh, that uh, is being done in many different places, including Russia. Uh, this past spring, Paul Winter and Cameron Asman uh, and I had a trip to Altai Republic. Altai Republic, for you to understand, is located in southern Siberia. It's in Russia, southern Siberia. And it borders with Kazakhstan, Mongolia, and just a little bit with uh, China. Uh, there we visited local Russian assemblies churches uh, and some local villages. We did some teaching, we did some training of the local leaders, and it's been encouraging to see how God is uh, doing awesome things there. Uh, the indigenous people of Altai are very similar to the indigenous communities of Canada. And uh, the experience that Paul and Cameron already had were very useful and insightful for the local leaders there in Altai. Uh, this trip has been a life-changing for me personally. Uh, traveling in general does something to you. It changes you. When you get out of your context, when you get out of the environment that you are familiar with, um, it just does something in your life. It changes your perspective. It changes your way of thinking. You realize that the world is actually bigger than you thought it was. Now it's not everything about you. Um, there's something greater in life. And that's why missions trips are so important or so vital for the church. Not only you get to do something special for others, but you yourself are impacted uh, by this trip. So that's why I'm extremely excited for the team that are going to, the, uh, uh, going to Ukraine soon. Uh, you won't forget this trip, especially if it's your first time traveling uh, overseas. Uh, it will be a life-changing experience, I guarantee that. So back to our trip to Altai. As we were traveling from one village to another, driving through the mountains, Paul noticed, Paul Winter noticed, an interesting spot on the side of the road where it seemed like everybody would stop. It was a spot that had a very scenic view and, uh, to the, on the rest of the Altai Mountains. There was a tree where indigenous people would tie ribbons, uh, and as I understood it, it was a sign of worship to their god. We gazed at the view, and Paul said something that really defined the rest of the trip for me personally. Looking at the magnificent view, Paul said, Can you imagine, and there were three of us standing, can you imagine that God worked here years before a first missionary stepped on this land. This short statement spoke louder than any missions-oriented sermon I've ever heard in my life. Staring at the mountains, I felt convicted. I felt convicted because for years I've seen myself as a driving force, as a pastor, as a missionary, as a Christian. I thought it all hinges on my efforts, on my strength. But at that moment, when I saw the magnificent horizon in front of me, 
horizon of places I've never seen before, never knew existed, I realize how ins insignificant and how small I am. To think that the mission of the Almighty God depends on me. That was the first time I realized that the missions is not something I initiate. Missions is me accepting God's invitation to participate. It's my reaction to what he's already doing around the world. When we open the book of Acts, in the very beginning, we see a group of disciples probably still shocked after seeing the resurrection of their rabbi, excited for what's going to happen next, the, la the last thing they expected that Jesus is going to leave. More so, the last thing they would expect that they would need to carry his mission to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Yet, it was God's plan for them. But before leaving, Jesus told them that they need to wait for someone who will help them, the Holy Spirit. There is no mission without the Holy Spirit, God's initiative. They waited patiently and prayfully, and finally the promise that Jesus mentioned on the Mount of Olives was given to them on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church in order to empower disciples to do the mission of God. Now, some time ago, I used to think that the main character of the book of Acts are the apostles, right? Peter, Paul, and the other church leaders. It seems like they do all the work. They spread the gospel, they invest into the kingdom of God, they sacrifice their whole lives, and that is true, they do the work but to a certain extent. A careful reader will notice an invisible character. The main character of the book of the Acts is no one else but the Holy Spirit himself. Divine Spirit, the promise given by Jesus, is the driving force of the church. He heals. He strengthens during opposition and persecution. He corrects an unhealthy behavior. He supplies not only with physical resources, but also with spiritual gifts. He destroys barriers. The Spirit leads and directs the church. And the book of Acts is the book about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the main character of the book. What's even more interesting to me is that the Holy Spirit directed the church despite the mistakes and sins made by the early Christians in the book of Acts. You would think that disciples and the first Christians would not build any barriers for the kingdom to spread. Yet we see the opposite. Racism, we see false teaching, and we see hypocrisy in case of Ananias and Sapphira. These are serious issues that we face even today in the modern church. But we see that the Holy Spirit and His infinite wisdom and His knowledge, despite these issues, have been working in the world. Why? Because it's His mission. And he's the driving force of it. So how can we privatize the mission of God and say that we are the driving force of the mission when in reality we often do otherwise by becoming barriers and obstacles for the work that the Spirit does in the world? God is doing his work even when we as Christians fail to reflect his character in this world. When we see the Holy Spirit as the main character of this book, of the book of Acts, we come to an understanding that he is active around the world. And suddenly we start to understand what prophet Zechariah expressed in chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So God is already at work. God is directing his mission. So there in Altai, coming to an understanding that God is at work, has taken a burden off my shoulders. I'll be honest, the burden that I have created myself 
by thinking that I am responsible for everything, that I have to be in charge, that I have to come up with something, otherwise nothing will happen. But coming to an understanding that he's the one who's at work freed me from anxiety, from worry, from unnecessary pressure. Not only that, understanding that God is at work have revealed to me my pride. A type of pride that can be fostered within Christian community. That you are the driving force. That unless you do something, nothing will happen. That everything depends on you. I love how one author, Justin McRoberts, articulates this in his devotional book called Prayer. He said, may, uh, he, he wrote a prayer. May I have vision and courage to join God in the places he's already working rather than feel responsible for bringing him with me. In reality, he's the driving force. Holy Spirit is the main character. And as we gather here, his presence is already working amongst us. But not only here, but also around the world, even in places we've never knew existed. And just thinking about this makes me so excited. Because I know that long before we plan to go out, long before we plan to church, engage with the community, God will be there to prepare the hearts of the people to respond to the gospel. Now, if God is the driving force, if he directs his mission, if he's in control, if he's already active in the hearts of the people, then what role do I play? What role do we play? Should we say that if God is at work, that we can forget about missions and just live our lives expecting God to do all the work around the world? When we read chapter 3 of the 1 Corinthians, we see an interesting situation. Some members of the church said, oh, I follow this pastor. And some other group of people said, oh, no, 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 we follow this other guy. And uh, Paul is saying here, it doesn't matter. Somebody plants the seed, another waters it, but only God makes it grow. So I'm going to quote here. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. But here's an important sense. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. God's building. In other words, we are all one team, and we are co-workers in what God is doing around the world. And the last verse is a key one, for we are co-workers in God's service. God is in charge of his mission. He directs it and he controls it, but he chooses to invite us to be his fellow workers. He sends out invitations to people to join him in what he's doing in different communities around the world. I like the story of, about Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius was a man who sought God, and God has been working in his, uh, in his life. God uh, has been working different... Uh, they, in the Bible, we see people like seekers. Uh, seekers, uh, meaning that he, these people wanted to find out more about God. And the Holy Spirit, being the main character of the book of Acts, arranges everything. I like that. He arranges everything. So what does he do? He decides to involve Peter in this process. First, God shows Peter a vision that edifies him and encourages him to go and see Cornelius. And I mean, it wasn't easy. See, Cornelius was not a Jewish man. He was a Gentile, someone with a different race. And, you know, good Jewish boys never hang out with Gentiles. So you can imagine how weird it was for Peter to hear that he needs to go and meet a Roman officer and baptize him and his family into God's family. But remember... It's not Peter's job to save people, right? He doesn't direct the mission. God directs his mission. 
So his role is to be a co-worker in what God was already doing in Cornelius' life. So God gave him a vision where he showed him that people like Cornelius, Gentiles, should not look down upon. They should not be discriminated. They can rightfully become members of God's family. So after seeing the vision, Peter went to the Cornelius' house, and we read in chapter 10 that the whole household was baptized. This was a process that God directed, but in this process, he intentionally decides to involve people in this process. And we see this pattern, pattern throughout the Bible. God has been choosing different people with different stories and backgrounds so that they can become his co-workers. He chooses Noah to build an ark. He chooses Abraham to start a family that will bring the Savior to the world uh, and reflect, reflect his character to the neighboring nations. He chooses judges and kings to direct his people. He chooses prophets to correct and edify the nation. He chooses apostles to hand them the mission. He chooses deacons, evangelists, pa pastors, and many others to equip the church. He loves inviting people to participate. Participate in what he's already doing around the world. It's not slavery or exploitation. It's not dictatorship where there is no respect and dignity. This is the relationship that God desires to have with these people. I like how Bible compares this kind of relationship with relationship between husband and wife. These are relationships full of love, full of trust, respect, and dignity. Transparency, integrity. And this is what missions is all about. People responding to God's invitation. God's calling. People accepting God's invitation to participate in what he's already doing around the world. But how does it work? Many people argue, so how can we become part of what God is doing? How can we accept his invitation? We get a lot of those questions in Russia. People want to know how they can become a part of what God is doing. And the answer may be surprisingly simple. Become a part of your local church. It doesn't start somewhere else. It doesn't start in Ukraine, Russia, overseas. It starts here. To become a part of God's mission is to become a part of your local church. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. Not literally, but mystically. When we read chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we come to an understanding how church operates. Paul says that everyone who is a part of a church becomes a part of the body. Not just a group of people, not just a social club, but the body of Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful metaphor that reflects that it's not just, it's a beautiful reality where Christian, every Christian is a part of something bigger, a big body of Christ. We all have been baptized, the Bible says, into one body. In other words, we all have been planted into one body by the Holy Spirit. And there is no distinction. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, what your economic status is. Now we and Christ are one. It doesn't matter what's your background. Now you're a part of the living organism called the church. And just like in the body, we have different parts. In the church, we have different gifts and roles. Everyone has been uniquely designed by God and given certain giftings and talents. He gives it according to His will, the way He wants it. Not the way I want, but the way He wants, according to His perfect will. And His will is that, that we all together will bring benefit to the body as a whole. A person does not decide how he wants to be used. God designs him in a way that can be beneficial for the kingdom. 
He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And he knows where we can thrive the most. And he assigns every part of the body with certain tasks. So that there would not be, you know, 12 heads or 13 hands or, you know, six fingers or, you know, six eyes. But a proportional body that can function well. But the problem in Corinth was that they thought that only certain gifts are important. Only certain people in the church can be called spiritual. But Paul opposes such view, stating that every Christian is unique in his calling. Church is a place for diversity, not uniformity. Diversity does not hinder unity. To be diverse doesn't mean to destroy unity within the church. It's the opposite. Unity in the church is expressed, is expressed in diversity of the gifts, talents, and callings. If you can travel to another country and become a missionary, that's awesome. That means God designed you that way. But if God didn't design you that way, then there are other ways God can use you in his mission around the world. It could be a short-term missions trip like the one to Ukraine. It may be praying for God's work around the world. It can be a commitment to support financially missionaries and ministries in different places. There are plenty of ways to be involved in missions. There is a diversity within the body. And nobody can say that some gifts are more prestigious and some are less. Nobody can say that some ministry is more important and some is less. Nowhere in the Bible you will find top three prestigious positions in the church. There is one spirit and many gifts, wrote Paul in this letter. So it's not a good idea to look at someone and be jealous of how God is using him or her. Of what gift he is or her, uh, she is given that you don't have. Every Christian has a gift placed by God. When you become a part of a local church, you have a gift. But when we start to compare ourselves with others, when we express our disagreement with God's plan, that's where the problem starts. Especially if we see someone who's traveling abroad, if it's a missionary or some other pastor, God has given a gift to every Christian. That's why we need to be content with what we have right now. This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. This is how God chooses to use us for his kingdom when we become part of his body. Be a part of diversity. Diversity in giftings, in ministry. The main point is to bring benefit to the body. So how can you bring benefit to the body? How can you become God's co-worker? Maybe you haven't become a part of a body yet. There's, it's a good day to, to become one. Become a member of a local church and you will find yourself in the body functioning the way you were designed to function. God is at work in many places around the world. Yet he invites every single of us to become part of the body. He has prepared many callings, many talents and giftings so that we can all corporately become his co-workers. And there are so many stories I can tell about how God has been active even when we were not. It reminds me of the story of Veronica, who started to attend our church a few months ago. She was very isolated towards others. She didn't want to share her life with anyone. She would always wear a long sleeve hoodie because uh, there were multiple cuts on her arms. When she first came, I thought to myself that she's definitely a person that would not be responsive to the gospel. In other words, I allowed myself to think that I'm an expert and who would and who would not want to go to church, you know. She would never talk at the gatherings, and it seemed like she won't be in the church for too long. But week after week, we started to see a change in our life. It was a shock for me when I came to church during a weekday, office days, and I saw her sitting in the hallway. There was no meeting scheduled for that day, yet she intentionally came to the church just to kill some time. 
because she had nothing to do. At that moment, I realized that it was no one else but God who attracted her into his presence. I mean, sometimes I can't push Christian kids to go to the church, right? And here we have a person who does not know what church is and just intentionally sits there and plays with cubic rubric. All she wanted is to spend some time in the building where she felt the presence of God. It was a pleasant surprise when a few Sundays later, I was walking towards the church and I see her with a greeting poster standing in front of the church, greeting everyone who would come. She was always quiet and unnoticeable, and here she is having the biggest smile in a group outside the church, inviting people into the presence that is so dear to her. This July, she's going to our youth camp in Russia, and that is an example of God working in the heart of a person, despite me, despite what I think about people, and despite the barriers I personally build, even as a minister. Another story that comes to my mind is a story about a guy named Nick. I don't have a picture of him, but uh, one of our evangelists have been testifying to him numerous times uh, unsuccessfully. Nick was a stubborn guy, and uh, he was a part of the gang, uh, so you can imagine what kind of lifestyle he lived. He always made fun of that evangelist. He was his um, childhood friend. He would mock him for being a Christian. He would call him naive and stupid. Uh, you, know, you know how it's done. You stand in a group of people, you see the evangelist, and he would kind of like make fun of him in a group of people, within the group of people. But suddenly his heart has opened for the gospel, and he came to the church, and I remember talking to him, Nick, you need to accept Jesus, I told him. Stop doing things your way. You've ruined your life by doing things your way. It's time to give it all to him. It's time to let him fix your life. And he started crying, and that moment he accepted Christ, but I will never forget what he told me after. He said, you know, I used to make fun of my friend who evangelized to me. Now it's my turn to be made fun of because I will be telling everyone about Jesus. The tables have turned. Now he shares the gospel with many in the area and soon there will be a church plant in, in the Moscow area that will become a safe place for many people in that region. It's God doing his work and people responding to what he's doing. And there are many stories like that, testimonies that prove that God is at work, testimonies that prove that He is active. His loving heart is about reaching the lost, those who have no hope, have no purpose, no meaning in life. And I'm grateful that one day He invited me to become part of what He's doing. And I'm grateful that He also invited people like Pastor Jerry, Sharon, Pastor Jordan, Pastor Paul Winter, and others to become His co-workers. And I'm grateful that Soul Sanctuary has also accepted God's invitation to become his co-workers in his work around the world. If you haven't yet, I strongly recommend you to do that. If you can go on a short-term missions trip, do it. You won't regret it. If you can support any missions project, for example, the one in Ukraine, write Ukraine or Russia on the envelope and give. Everyone has a different calling and gifting, but we all can be involved in missions regardless whether you live in Winnipeg, Kiev, or Moscow. Now, I would like to draw your attention to some of the projects, uh, some of the things that God is active at right now and what Soul Sanctuary is involved in, uh, in Eastern Europe. Uh, and Soul Sanctuary has been playing a key role in many projects, both in Russia and Ukraine, supporting, for example, the work, missionary work in Altai, it's southern Siberia, uh, funding the Bible school in Moscow, building greenhouses in one of our, our rehab centers. And... Um, there are so many more. I feel like uh, we, don't have, we wouldn't even have enough time to discuss everything that you've been a part of uh, in Russia and Ukraine. So what I would like to focus on right now is actually Ukraine. 
Uh, more than 10 years ago, uh, Russian Assemblies of God started to plant churches in Ukraine. And from the very beginning, we saw a potential in working among young people. Social projects, camps, church plants, all these things are possible because of many young people who are committed to be God's co-workers. And right now, uh, Ukraine is very open to the gospel and for the church in general. In general, uh, Ukraine is becoming more and more open, open to the West. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, unlike the neighboring country. And um, yeah, they're really trying to move move as far as they can from the uh, from their communist past. That's why I told Pastor Jerry it's not a good idea to wear his hockey jersey. Yeah, you know what his team is called? Yeah, he has that, you know, yeah, comrades, communist thing. Yeah, if he, if you guys, okay, if, if you're traveling the team, you need to search his bag. Make sure his jersey doesn't make it to Ukraine, because this, this is going to be the last trip for Soul Sanctuary to Ukraine. Because <laughs> they don't, they don't want to be associated with that. They, then, they know their past, they know their history, and they, uh, they don't want that. You know, you know that there are certain countries that feel very ashamed of what they did before and what has happened to them. Ukraine is, is one of those countries. They, they even rename their streets. Whenever it has a Lenin street, you know, you know, let's call it, you know, whatever, Canada Street or, you know, Trudeau Street, but not Lenin, Stalin, and so forth. They actually removed all the statues of Lenin within the country. Um, yeah. Ukrainians are fun, you know. <laughs> you should you should look it on YouTube. They even made some fun videos about it, like time lapse videos, like Lenin's falling. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know it. There's a lot of Ukrainians here. Yeah, we. I'm I'm a Ukrainian too. We have a good sense of humor, and they have a good sense of humor about their past as well. But they really want to step away from this because they feel like it's a new period. It's a it's it's a new chapter for this country. So, for example, uh, Canadians who wish to travel to Ukraine, they don't need a visa, they don't need any, uh, except their passport, to visit uh, Ukraine. That's how open they are. And some countries, they actually require so many documents and visas, like Russia, like it's almost impossible to visit it. But Ukraine is, is, is different. So doors are wide open in this, in this sense. And Soul Sanctuary is playing a key role in some of the projects in Ukraine. And one of the projects uh, has to do with young people who find themselves on the streets uh, after the end of their stay in an orphanage. Uh, the majority of these children become victims of human trafficking, drug and alcohol uh, abuse, and part of a criminal activity, and so forth. Uh, and we developed an idea, one of the pastors, to create a transition house where young people would have an opportunity to receive a special education in the basics of Christian knowledge. So, so the government doesn't really care about them. After the orphanage, it's like, well, do whatever you want. Uh, we don't care about you. Uh, but the church actually stepped up and said, you know what, we care for these people. So we would like, and it's in one of the regions, Lviv, in the west uh, of Ukraine. And uh, actually, this is the, this, you, you've seen this picture before uh, of, the church, uh, of, of that place, of that building. And they would be able to go through different Christian programs, such as Alpha Course, and also attend and participate in the annual youth camp where they can build relationships with young people who attend the church. And upon completion of the program, they will uh, help them find a job or if they wish to apply to university. And we believe that during this time, they will have the opportunity to meet the Lord and experience a change in their life. After being heard by the system and maybe by their peers, they can truly see care and love of the Christian community in their country. Uh, we already found this building and uh, that is suitable and already put a deposit. And we believe that this project will impact uh, the lives of hundreds of young people in Ukraine. And uh, you are already a part of this. You've become co-workers of the Lord 
God has been doing work even before we, we, uh, some pastors come up with this idea, came up with this idea. And we as Christians accepted his invitation and we are all his co-workers. Isn't that exciting? Another project that, that Seoul has been involved in is church planting. Pastor Jerry was in Ukraine for the opening of the church in the city of Rivne. Another church will be opening. It's actually opening this week uh, or next week. It's the church in Kiev. Uh, the capital of Ukraine. And we strongly believe that uh, church planting is something that is worth investing time, effort, and resources. Um, it's, it's a different type of church plan, as you would think, in the West. It's more like bringing church to the people, you know, making church accessible to the people, uh, creating communities where people can meet God. And finally, Soul Sanctuary is sending a team of young people to participate in English camps in Western Ukraine. This is a, a very special uh, project that has already shown its effectiveness. Uh, these camps are just like the youth camps, but they're specifically designed for those who want to learn English. Uh, there's a big demand in Ukraine for such education. Since uh, Ukraine is becoming more open to the West, speaking English has become something important for the young population of the country. And since there's a great demand, one of the churches in Ukraine have initiated this great project that would create another bridge between the church and the uh, local community. Uh, this camp will be a great opportunity to build new relationships, and we are also thrilled that a team of guys from Seoul are going to be a part of it. Uh, it's going to be a life-changing experience, uh, not only to those who will be coming as students, but also for all of you who's uh, going to be traveling to Ukraine to serve. And we believe that God is already at work in the hearts of these Ukrainian students, and He's preparing soil. But I would like us... Um, as a church, to pray uh, over these people, uh, those who decided to accept God's invitation to become his co-workers for the upcoming camp. So if you're a part of this team, uh, would you please come up on this stage so uh, we can pray for you? Yeah, can we do that? Yeah, we would like to pray for you guys. Uh, it's going to be a great experience. You will absolutely love it. And uh, we, we strongly believe that God is already doing something in the hearts of uh, the people that are planning to go. So let us all pray and pray a blessing over them. Lord, we thank you for these people and uh, for these young people. That, and we ask that you would reward them for accepting your invitation. We ask that you would bless them as they go to Ukraine to be your co-workers at the youth camp. We ask that you would equip them, but most importantly, go before them. We pray that for the young people of Ukraine, that they would respond to the good news, that they would be open with this group of minister, to this group of ministers. We ask for safety during the travels, that the enemy would not shatter their courage and their zeal. May this trip be life-changing for them, so that they would come back home with an understanding that you desire every single person to be involved in the work that you do around the world. We also pray for those who are not yet a part of your body. May your presence touch them and transform. I pray that you would bless everyone who's been giving to the work in Ukraine and in Russia. May they, may they be reminded of the impact they're making around the world. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Roman. There's uh, two people that are not up on stage with us today. Uh, one is my wife and the other one is Brett Friesen. He's, uh, I think, working this morning. But uh, we leave Tuesday, and we uh, would covet all your prayers. Uh, thank you, Roman, for just bringing us all up to speed on what's going on. And uh, uh, 
You know, he comes across so meek and mild, but we know that that's an act. And I, uh, I think Jordan articulated it beautifully. You're, you're driving. I was driving with you, and you, the guy wouldn't even clear off the windows. It was like full of ice, and he just sort of blinded. He was going off the curbs, trying to figure out where we were going. Stand with me, please. Somebody once said to me, he goes, uh, I can't believe everything that you as a church are doing. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, a lot of churches, they do one or two missions. He goes, but you guys have a global presence. And I stopped and I had to listen to what was being said. And I thought, oh, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, I've, I've heard a lot about what Soul Sanctuary is all about. And I thought this is a, a great reflection of who you are. Uh, we have presence in Brazil. We have presence in Africa. We have presence in Indonesia. We have presence in Russia. We have presence in Ukraine. Uh, basically every major continent around us. We have uh, um, uh, the amount of people who support Compassion and World Vision Children here is through the roof. Uh, and uh, it's, it's us. It's, we're in this together. And so on behalf uh, of the leadership here at Seoul, and I know even reflecting of uh, um, our guests from Moscow, I just say thank you. I, th I say thank you for your heart. Different people respond in different ways uh, to the different uh, ministries that we are touching throughout the world, and, and we truly are a global impact church. And with that in mind, I just like to give you a blessing as I send you on your way a little bit earlier than usual. You can beat the Baptist to the buffet, right? And uh, here it is. Um, in ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. Here's your blessing, folks. Before I go there. Uh, again, I forgot to say, we, we sponsored Syrian refugees. We also now have a new Pakistan refugee that uh, we're lining up. You go as, and give as you feel the Spirit is leading you to give. That is what Roman has been saying. God's speaking to each and every one of us. And I needed to throw that in there. So here it is. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, soul sanctuary. May the love of God be reflected in your hands. May the wisdom of God be reflected in your words. And the knowledge of God, may it flow from your heart so that all might see, and in seeing, believe. Be blessed. Now go and live the church. We'll see you next week.